ladies, are we ready to, to get started on today's topic? Yes, and I'm excited about it because I think if you don't have knowledge of the correct way to do it, you wouldn't understand why maybe you're not getting results or why it's not working. Like there honestly is a proper way to do it to get results. So that so Melissa's talking about our topic for today, which is how to write letters, how to keep documentation when you're dealing with anyone trying to get results for your children. So we thought that would be a great topic since we're, I don't know, I always think September is that new year, new you kind of thing. Forget about January. <laughs> when you have kids and they're going back to school, September kind of marks that new year. So we thought it would be a great topic to talk about how to write those letters and then how to keep that documentation and how to follow up so that you get the results that you need. And I think whenever, um, before I actually learned that there's a process, and why there's a process, it would be very frustrating because I would pour out my entire heart to what is going on. And it's so personal when it's our kids. Nothing is more personal. So you write this big, long letter, and then you don't get anything. You don't get a response, or you don't get the response you were hoping for. And at the same time, we look at our teachers. The job that they have is an amazing job. If they have 20 students and 20 parents verbally tell them something in the same day, they're human beings. They're not, you know, going, there's a real good chance they're not going to remember all 20 requests five days a week. So we encourage document everything and you can't exactly document a verbal conversation you had with someone. So you're physically going to write a letter with pen and paper or you're going to send an email that is dated. It's proof that you made that request. So it's um, always exciting to me to like teach a parent that because once you tell them all the whys, you're like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Like I didn't think about that. And one of the big things I had to learn along the way is I was pouring out my whole heart and everything that was wrong. Instead of this letter today is very specific. We had a problem. This is what I would like to see fixed. How can we fix it? And what do I want my response to look like? Do I want someone to call me? Do I want them to write me an email or a physical letter? Um, bringing all of that down and simplifying it to be very factual um, instead of the emotional part. And we're allowed to be emotional. We're or parents, it is very emotional. But if you write it at midnight and you've been furious with the school for three hours and then you write it and you send it right off and you wake up in the morning and go, oh, I wish I could unsend that, you know. So there's a process, um, the process that we we do ourselves and we encourage others to do. Write it and step away from it for a little bit. Go back to it and see if there's parts that can come out that aren't necessary to the conversation, is not factual, and your feelings are factual. I shouldn't say factual, but try to put aside that emotional part and 
you know, that this is the 13th time they've made you mad, <laughs> you know, like take that part <laughs> out. Um, and at the end of the day, the biggest thing, you have a relationship with the school. It's either going to go up and down and be a certain way where you can set the tone for how it's going to be. If you got a fifth grader, you still had a long way to go that you're going to continually need to write letters, respond to letters, and we have to try to do it in a good way, kind of to save the relationship. It doesn't mean you have to love everybody and you think they're all wonderful, um, but there's a professional way to hold yourself and kind of hold yourself accountable so you can get the results your child needs and not waste time with a lot of things that some people just, it's not going to matter, you know, that your child was sad about something or, you know, that kind of thing. Yep. So let's let's kind of back things up and um, talk about the ins and outs of how to write that letter. And I don't know, Chrissy, you, you've only been here for, it's a year now, so you may not have heard me say, Writes law stranger to or letter to a stranger five hundred times yet, but I don't know. Maybe maybe you've heard it a couple times. Maybe I've mentioned it. I don't know. Um, that is, in my opinion, a brilliant letter writing strategy. Uh, if people listening aren't familiar with with rights law, um, we will put the link in our show notes. But it's right w r i g h t s law dot com. Um, and Pete Wright is a special education guru because he went in front of the Supreme Court, fought a case. He's an attorney, and he won. So we we listened to him. I can't imagine that that's easy. Um, he does excellent trainings, trainings for parents, but he also trains um, special education advocates and legal uh, and lawyers. That's what they're called. That's what legal people are called, lawyers. Um, but also maybe anybody who works with them as their support. I guess they have support. What do I know? Um, he does a great job, and one of the things that he has written is what's called a letter to a stranger. And he does this excellent job where he walks you through why exactly you're writing the letter the way you write it. <clears throat> and one of the things that he teaches you is that you are not, if you are in a conflict with your child's school, if you're in a conflict with your child's teacher, while you're writing the letter to them, you are always keeping in mind whoever is at the next step who will read that letter. And so you want to present your information in, as best you can, a neutral manner um, and, and kind of doing your best to stick to the point. Again, like... If you're in a conflict with the school, they're going to do what they're going to do. If they're not following the special education law, chances are not really great that you writing one letter is going to change what they're going to do. But he kind of teaches this way of we, we don't want to go to due process. We don't want to go to court. But you behave in a manner as if you are going to have to. And that 
still handles the situation that you're dealing with right now in a, a professional manner, um, in a way that can move things forward and kind of move you closer to a resolution, but it also prepares you in case you ever do unfortunately have to go to due process, go to mediation, go to court. So it's it's a, a really nice strategy. And one of the things that I've had to learn um, was to write that email, like Melissa said, and you include all the things like you're a big dummy head and I've told you 5,000 times and why can't you people just ever do what you're supposed to do, right? Get it, get it out. Get it out. Write it. I would suggest that when you open your email to write it, you do not put the two. Don't in, don't do the first thing that you do. Don't open the email and put like to whoever the principal of your child's school is, the special ed department. Leave that blank. Write your email. Get it all out. Like Melissa said, step away. Stepping away from something gives you that when you come back, you're looking at it sort of for the first time. I, I started doing this in college and grad school. I would realize that, like, you miss an entire word when you're writing. Um, but it, it helps you kind of get those emotions out. You can, and I have done this in the past, you can write that letter with all that you big dummy head 5,000. You can write it and you can send it to a friend. If you have a trusted friend, if you have an FSP, um, I was lucky enough to work in advocacy so I could send it to a coworker who could be like, I understand. <laughs> and then we could get on the phone and we could edit it to get rid of all the you big dummy head 5,000 times, right? Um, but if you have someone who could read it, that's great. But it's just kind of like that they used to say back in the day, you could write this angry letter and not mail it. But you kind of wrote it and get it out. So you get your you get your anger out, you get your your stuff out. And if you have to scrap it and start again, then that's what you do. If you can go in and you could edit it, you know that's great. But when you're feeling some kind of way, it's perfectly fine to open that email and write it all out. But again, don't. Put anything in the two line. This way you don't have to worry about it accidentally getting sent. I could picture that like in, in you know, you, you roll over, it's 2 o'clock in the morning, and you still have that anger playing out because these are your babies. And so we take these slights very personal, rolling over in the middle of the night thinking, oh, my God, did I hit send? Or... In my house, I always have animals walking over the keyboard, you know, like whatever. Don't don't put that two two line in. Um, but get out what you what you feel. Get it out. That that's probably very cathartic. Good good for you. So definitely get it out. Chrissy, do you have anything to add yet? I'm just over here laughing because guess who did that and actually sent it? And I am like the. I'm like the least confrontational person. I'm super nice, like very, am I never irritated? I've never had, I've always been really nice to the school last year. The truancy officer like got under my skin. I don't know why it was just like triggering. I sent her an email this long, super nasty. And I still <laughs> regret it. I feel terrible and I apologize later. And the principal I had a good rapport with was like, 
you were mad. I was like, I was mad. He's like, I didn't see that coming from you. I was like, I don't know. I was mad. I can't help it. Um, so yeah, now I avoid her anytime I see her anywhere, even though I apologize because I'm still so embarrassed because I'm just not that person. So I think that that's excellent advice. Like don't do it out of anger because I did it and it was bad. Well, you know, I'm going to say though, you know, um, they need to see that we get angry. Sometimes they, sometimes they really need to see how angry we are. So, I mean, I think that in that situation, you kind of handled it as best you can. Look, we're talking about people who I love with all of my heart and soul. I would step in front of a bus to save them. I was angry. I probably shouldn't have been as direct as I was. And so my apologies, but I'd like to sit down and let's see how we could move forward with this. Right. That's a great way to save in face after um, after an oops. I did apologize. I told her I was sorry. And then I'm not normally <laughs> like that. And but I don't know what it was. I mean, my daughter had only missed four days and she was like threatening to send us to like a truancy program. And I was like, she missed four days. Like, I don't know why I was so mad. I told her never to talk to my children without me present. Like I was mad. <laughs> but um, now, now it's better, but I'm still embarrassed because that's not normally my character. So. And you weren't wrong for having those feelings. That's not wrong. It's just that you do have to go back in the building. You do have to see these people for the next several years. You know, like it's. Oh, I still have a kindergartner in that school yeah. district this year. So we have like 12 more years yeah. to go. So it was just, I can't believe I did that. So that's excellent advice. Don't do it. Um, documentation is huge. I worked with a family that. Every time she would email, they would call her instead, and she got them, mm-hmm. and she was wondering why things weren't going well. So I was like, well, maybe you should tell them, like, you're at work, and they need to email you back because you can't take a phone call while you're working. So then they started emailing her, and then magically, once there was a paper trail, they started doing what they said they were going to do. So I think that's also really important is to have that, you know, trail of paper behind you. Now, there's nothing wrong with they can email – so. Or uh, they could call all they want. And and they're not stupid. They're not stupid. You're going to run into people in your life who will not respond to an email. They will not put anything in writing. They're not stupid. And there's a way to handle that. And this is what it is. Let's, I don't know, let's make up a situation. Um, we're going to turn your child in for truancy. They've missed seven days of school. And it's, you know, mid-December. Um, and one more absence and, you know, and that's it. And so maybe your, maybe what has happened with you is that, um, you had a conversation with them and they're after that and they said, oh yeah, yeah, no, no, uh, we got the, the no, we like whatever it's excused, no problem. And then maybe you get an email again. That's like, look, we said, You know, now it's eight and I don't know, whatever. Maybe they're not accepting your, maybe your child is, you put the notes in your child's backpack. Your child is ADHD. And even though maybe it's in the IP, they're supposed to prompt your child to go look in the backpack. They don't. And now all the notes are crinkled up and sticky with jelly or whatever in the bottom of their backpack. So, or maybe you did have notes and maybe they're not accepting it for whatever reason. Perfectly fine. You can't change someone else's behavior. But what you do 
is you have a conversation with them verbally. You get home. Maybe you put the kids to bed, whatever, and you hop on your computer and you open your email. Dear Ms. Smith, thanks for meeting with me today to discuss Tommy's absences. I understand that you're concerned about his attendance at school, and I appreciate your dedication to his education, but I would like to remind you, and then maybe sketch out, he had an absence, a three-day absence where he was in the hospital, and a doctor's note was submitted, and then maybe you had a death in the family, and you had to go out of town, so you were out of school for another three days, so now that's six, and they're saying seven is like too much, whatever, and then, you know, he was exposed to COVID, so you kept him home for a day, I don't know, whatever, put what happened in writing, and say, after our conversation today, or we spoke today, uh, I just want to make sure that, that I understood you correctly. In our conversation today, you are going to accept the three days we missed for the death in the family. You received the facts from the doctor's office for the three days he was in the hospital. And I wrote I, I handed you a note about the COVID exposure and why he was out on such and so day. Please let me know if, um, if these, these facts don't align with the conversation that we had. I don't know, something like that. Um, yours truly, sincerely, whatever, uh, sign it, email it. I like to send my emails, um, for a delivery receipt, they may not accept a red receipt. They may not give you a red receipt, but you at least have that delivery receipt there. And you are following up on a verbal conversation and how people would view that. It's pretty standard that how people might view that would be if what you are saying in your email is incorrect, they should reach back out and say, no, that's not correct. We're not able to accept a handwritten note after um, five excuses, so you'll need to get me a doctor's note for, um, you know, for that set for the absence due to the COVID exposure, like whatever. They have an opportunity to correct anything that you've written that's incorrect. So um, I think that if they're going to call you, if you're going to have, you dropped off a letter for um, the school, uh, you know, at the school secretary, and you're going to go back home and you're going to document, I left dear Principal Bob, um, I dropped off a letter today um, following school procedure to request um, of an, an evaluation for an IEP. Um, I left it with Secretary Susie at the main office this afternoon. I just want you to be aware that 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 request was made in writing as per the school's requirements. And I look forward to hearing from you about when we'll get that scheduled. So anytime you have a conversation in person, you're going to follow up with an email. And sometimes I like to, um, so that you, they can't say, 
the email didn't get here, they they could. But so that it's less likely you can tag on to maybe if you've gotten um, a letter from your teacher at the beginning of the school year, you could reply to that, change the subject line, and then use that thread for your conversation so that there is no opportunity or no chance that maybe you had the wrong email. It's maybe less likely if you're responding to something that they sent you that it went to spam. And one of the things that you can do is next time you're in person, you can say, oh, did you get that email that I sent? You know, just getting that verbal um, confirmation that, that they got it. So, and then, you know, keep track of that. My absolute best friend when I was a parent was my day planner. Um, we should probably be sponsored by some day planner company. But I will tell you, here I'll show you one that's not used, so I don't give out any important information. Let me find one that's not used a month. Um, I buy them. I like two pages of a month. Probably can't see that. And then um, I like a monthly, weekly one. And so when I buy mine, it has two pages of a week. So it starts on Monday and it comes over here and it gives me just like half of a line for Saturday and Sunday. And so I could very easily keep track. This would be my notebook. Um, I, for my kiddos, I would probably go out and buy like a, a school year day planner along the same format. And, you know, I could, could write in it, you know, whatever, who their teacher is, whatever. And then I could keep track very easily on a monthly basis. I would, because we had problems in our school district when my youngest was getting, um, was getting Wilson classes, they were supposed to have like, I don't know, 20 minutes of Wilson every day, whatever it was. And they weren't actually doing that. I would start, I would go to the month and then every day just write a W on on the day that they had their Wilson classes or if they were supposed to have PT or OT or whatever kind of services, I'd make a note in that month. And then during the day, you could kind of write out more detailed information. So spoke with Ms. Smith, sent a follow-up email. So you can have it both in writing and then your email trial. And I know that a lot of people maybe are more digital, and that's great. Um, any way that it is that you could keep track of things, I would say that, I don't know, perhaps people could say that you, it's easier to go back and recreate things as a digital calendar instead of one on paper. So I would probably do both. Um, but I do think, for instance, if you dropped off a letter at the school requesting an IEP evaluation, putting it in your digital calendar with like a one-week reminder to follow up in a week or follow up in two weeks if you haven't heard anything, I think that would probably make your life a little easier. So do you guys have any, any ideas, any tips, any things that you do differently? Um, I think even when I first had spoken about, um, you know, inundating a teacher with verbal requests, you can still make those verbal requests, follow it up with an email. And I think they would greatly appreciate that. Yes. It's a courtesy. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah if you tell them, I, I could, I could imagine if a parent, random parent 
or even in a small school district, parent who I know well comes up to me and says, hey, by the way, can you X, Y, Z? I'm dealing with a million other things. I may write a note on my hand. I may have a like a notepad. I, I may not have anything on me as a way. You may be talking at me when I'm worried about helping, like, you know, little Bobby tie a shoe or, you know, when I'm yelling at the teenagers to not run in front of the car. I don't know, whatever. Um, so, so it is probably very courteous to send an email. Hey, I, I know you were busy. I just want to follow up and, and make that, you know, give you a reminder that today I asked about XYZ. So I think it's really As nice. an FSP, we have worked with parents and, you know, went into great detail of how to write a letter and the whys and, you know, mm-hmm. what it could look like down the road. And doing that process with them, once you start on that path, then it, it's tools in your toolbox. You will repeat it over oh, yeah. and over again. You know, you and just like Chrissy said, you know, you learn as you go. Like, okay, I did something, made a mistake. <laughs> okay. You know, it's all right. Move on from here. You know, your next 10 letters are going to be very nice. And someone may upset you (laughs) after that. And there might be another one where you're like, okay. (laughs) But, um. Well, they, they don't even have to be nice. They could be neutral. Yeah. Right. They, they could be, you know, you don't have to be overly like, oh, you're delightful. You're wonderful. I love working with you. They can just be factual. Yeah. And the idea of your maybe this letter is going to the teacher, but maybe if you're not getting results, it's going to the principal. You're not getting results. It's then going to the next step, special education director. This same letter could be going on and on and on. So when you step back and you come back and you're looking at it, is it specific to my concern? Is it to the point of what I'm asking for? Or do I have too many things in there that someone who wasn't in the class that day even cares about? You know, like, are they going to be able to help you if you filled this letter with so many things that it's all over the place? And they ask themselves, well, what is what are they asking for? What do they want me to do? You know, what do they want done about this? So I think when you go back and look at that, think about it you know, with the rights law letter to a stranger, can a stranger read this and know what was the problem? What does the parent hope to gain? What do they expect the outcome? What do they want the response to be? You know, break it down a little bit. And I'll say this is a a good strategy. Anytime you're dealing with anyone, um, definitely insurance companies, um, you know, you, you, uh, you have a conversation with someone from an insurance company. If you have someone that you can email, it's always best to follow up in writing with, uh, I spoke with, you know, agent so-and-so like, you know, like your insurance agent, so-and-so talking about, you know, whatever funding for my child's RTF. Um, and you guys said, if, 
uh, because we had tried three RTFs in the state and none of them were suitable, that at that point I could, you know, put in for a, a waiver or, you know, whatever. Put that, put that in writing, follow it up and let them say to you, oh, no, 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 that wasn't, that wasn't what I said. You misunderstood. This is what I said. And if that's, the case where you misunderstood, that's excellent because they've now corrected your misunderstanding. So you now have the information that you need. Um, you can use this if you're dealing with any kind of caseworker for anything. You you get a phone call from CYS. You get any anything at all. Um, you can use this, something like this, in a situation where maybe you, you have a, content, con, a contentious relationship with like a, an ex spouse or an ex-partner um you can use this for instance when uh i had a situation where my child was bullied and we were verbally told by the school this is who you report bullying incidents to just have your child come to me and report them so the rule in my house was there's an incident i want you to come go and tell who you're supposed to tell i want you to come home and tell me that it happened. And then I sent an email, dear whoever it was, um, I'm just following up. My child came home today, told me there was an incident with this kid, this kid, and this kid. This is what happened. This is where it happened. I gave them all those details. Um, I just wanted to make, to confirm that it was reported to you so you can take, take action on it. And then oftentimes they would email me back and be like, yep, they told me I'm on it. Great. Okay. Thank you. And I would save their response. What's really nice is you can set up some uh, filters in your email. If you use Gmail, if you use Outlook, where um, emails that you send can automatically go into a folder. So it could be info, emails to the school can go automatically into a folder and they're saved. You don't have to worry about it. Um, I like keeping their response because that's really what you're going to need. I did file an Office of Civil Rights complaint eventually and we won against our school district. And the way we won was when I wrote that complaint, I... The entire time, I used the rights law letter to a stranger strategy, and I kept the receipt of the emails with them confirming that I had and my child had made them aware of each bullying incident. So it's really important that you keep that paper trail. And I will say we live in a digital age, um, but I think it's always great to have uh, whether maybe you can't find a day planner, um, maybe you, you just don't have, I mean, they can be expensive, you know, like the 25 bucks sitting around, you don't think it's that important. Grab a 25 cent notepad when they go on sale, you know, like at the end of probably in, in a couple weeks here, like all the school lines notebooks and the spiral thing binders will go on sale. Grab one, write the date on it, school year. 23, 24, and make notes. Put instantly, as soon as you have something to write, put the date, um, and then just very briefly write out what happened, who you talked to, what they said, whatever's important. You don't have to write a book. You can write bullet point it, scribble your own notes so that you, they make sense to you, but keep everything in that notebook and keep it handy.
I went to court recently with a family that I'm working with and her documentation of everything kind of saved her in that court hearing. It went way better than expected. And it was because she rolled in with the folder and she had documentation of everything, every appointment she went to, every, you know, her medication list, all of those things. And we had, a, I would say, like a way better than expected outcome due to the fact that she kept track of everything. So it does make a big difference having that, you know, in your arsenal. And I mean, there's something really powerful about walking in as a parent. Sometimes some systems see us as the problem rather than someone who's also struggling to try and get the supports and services that are needed for the child. So in situations like that, when you can walk in with something, and again, it does not have to be elegant. Um, if it works for you, I am a, a planner and, you know, especially when I used to work not from home, uh, you know, when I had to physically go to the office, I had everything written down. My day planner was like constantly with me. Uh, I would write everything in that day planner and rolling into any appointment with your day planner, um, I would show you, I have a, a, now that I work from home, I have a desk blotter and I keep my appointments and, and all kind of the important things on this desk blotter. And you could tell that this is not something that I ran out to the store and put together. Like if I had a show, like go into court tomorrow and I pulled out all the pages of my desk blotter and my day planner, you would be able to easily tell this was not something I sat down and recreated last night because it's got coffee stains, it's got cat paw prints, it's got, you know, like scribbles and everything on it, walking in and being able to pull out something that you have clearly been working on and documenting over time really makes an impact on um, on somebody. And I, I mean, I, I think that I uh, shared the situation where, like I mentioned, my child got had Wilson training. Um, we had an issue where for like two or three years, every time my child would go back to school, they had an IEP. Every time they would go back to school, the school would wait weeks, months before they started follow, do, providing the services that were supposed to be provided for on their IEP. So I got smart. I put uh, just a plain old, I printed out a blank calendar by month, and I put it on the fridge, and every day they'd come home from school, and I'd say, did you have Wilson today? Did you go with Miss Smith today? Did you do this, do that? And we would just make a little note on the calendar, W, uh, T, you know, whatever it was. And I, at the end of the month, this was on the refrigerator, at the end of the month, I'd throw it into a pile. Eventually, I would get organized and put them all together in a folder. And when I did file um, a due process complaint against my child, the first thing that you do is go to mediation. And we're in the mediation meeting, and the special director sitting right across from me and says, we did not wait six weeks to start your child's uh, IEP services. And I'm like, yeah, as a matter of fact, you did. And I said something about something, and the special director I don't know why, said, your child absolutely had services on that day. And while we were talking, I'm flipping through all these loose-leaf papers that are together in month order. Again, it was on my refrigerator. It was sticky. There was, like, other, like, things written on it quick. Um, and I get to that day, and I look down, and I looked her in the eye, and the mediator was sitting to, her, to my left, and I said, you didn't even have school that day. <laughs> And the entire um, tone 
of the hearing, of the mediation hearing, totally changed after that because they saw that I had documentation and she was just caught lying. So having that in writing, I think, is really helpful. If you think back to that time, the first letter that you wrote, you didn't think that you were going to end up in mediation. You didn't see that coming. So you may be having an issue where you're sending that first letter about this one thing going on. You never know where it's going to lead to. And that's the, Mm -hmm. and that is the theory is that you don't know what's going to happen three years down the, the line. So we hear all the time from families where, Oh, I asked for um, an evaluation for my child last March. And we're listening. We're like, wait, what? Last last March, and how did that go? Uh, oh, I, I haven't I haven't heard anything else from it. But I submitted the paperwork and stuff, and they told me that they're going to get to it. And you go, mm, uh, okay. And so then maybe now this year, at the beginning of the school year, you start, you know, you ask again. Hey, I submitted a, a request for an evaluation last March. Uh, I haven't haven't heard anything. Oh yeah, yeah, we're really far behind. You know what? Do me a favor, submit that paperwork again. And we'll get started. Uh, you can you can do that, and maybe they get the evaluation done now, and it's found out that your child needs special education services. Hopefully, you get you talk with an FSP, and maybe we could go like attend a meeting virtually with you. We can work with you on on how you're going to have that meeting. You're going to work to get your child's absolute best IEP, giving them the services that they need. And once you have that IEP in place, you are going to reach back out to the school and say, by the way, here's the documentation that I issued in March. My child should have been evaluated by then. You owe me, you owe my child compensatory education services probably back to mid-April. And in that case, they don't provide you money, but you can get um, some things like maybe they would pay for for that missed time that they should have been getting support. Maybe they would pay for some tutoring. Maybe they would pay for a summer program to kind of com- compensate your child for those services that they should have gotten should, if they would have done the evaluation when they should have. So... You know, your your child shouldn't be penalized because they didn't do what they were supposed to do. They dropped the ball, whatever. That's like a really powerful tool that's available for families. But we only have a very, very short 12, 13 years to educate our children so that they could go out and have, you know, a good, solid life. If you have a child with anxiety, depression, ADHD, on top perhaps of something else maybe that they have going on. I know I talked a lot about Wilson, which is a dyslexia. Um, training, um, you know, they, they need, they need that support. And again, you can get an IEP for mental health concerns. Whenever, um, in the past, whenever I've had to, for myself or for the parents that we work with, when something very specific comes up and we'll, I'll just use bullying as an example, So you you reach out and you state to the teacher, to the principal, whomever you're turning this into, if not both of them, um, that this event happened and, you know, you expect this or that to happen, you know, because of it, like there's steps they need to take. 
eventually through the course of maybe they didn't do what they're supposed to do. Well, just stating, hey, you didn't do what you were supposed to do. You should have done this. I want you to do this. Go back to your student handbook, page, line, how many lines down? This is our bullying policy. This is what will happen when it has been reported to us. And then you follow up with, you were, this is what your handbook says you are required to do. This is a policy you've agreed and signed off on and turned into the state that this is the policy we're going to follow. Yep. So knowing your handbook as well, because there is a lot of policy and a lot of things in there that you can just refer back to and not like you want to put it in their face, but just like, hey, this is what you're supposed to be following. That way it takes out some of those personal parts of it and gives them the facts and what you're expecting as a parent for them to do about that situation. Yep. Yep. So you know we kind of covered things probably like a little loosely here today. I would really encourage anyone, um, if your child has any kind of mental health challenge, remember that does include ADHD, that includes autism, um, we'll put the link to Rights Law letter to a stranger in the show notes, but you can Google Rights Law, W-R-I-G-H-T-S, um, letter to a stranger, Google it, you'll find it, read it over. If you live in Pennsylvania, give one of our uh, family support partners a call and we can walk through with you um, specifically for your situation how you might do that draft letter. Even if you have not had the need to do it yet, we can kind of walk through it with you how you might how you might want to do that so you're prepared in case you need it. If you have not been documenting some challenges that you've been having so far, we can kind of help you get on track with that and work with you to come up with a manageable plan for you and your family and your situation. Um, I will mention that, again, Rights Law, love Pete Wright and his wife, Pam. Um, they write a really great book. I don't know. This hopefully won't show up backwards from Emotions to Advocacy. Um, my dream would be if we had some money, um, we should probably do a fundraiser for this, um, to, would be to do a book club with families where we kind of went through it chapter by chapter and talked about what is it and how does it work and really kind of personalize it. We can find a lot of information about um, not enough, but much more about children dealing with like physical disabilities. It's much, much harder for us to find information about um, families who have children with mental health challenges and how to kind of, you know, manage those situations. And they can happen so much later in life where just something comes out of the clear blue, your child is fine one day, and then all of a sudden next day you find out they aren't. But um, definitely a great a great book. You can find so many resources from Rights Law about um, IEPs. And then, too, on our website under Helpful Resources, we have an entire section where we have gathered up videos and links to the resources that we learned from um, and that are our go-to resources. So by all means, um, check that out. Ladies, do you have any parting thoughts? Just that wherever you're at on this journey, Everything that we've talked about 
can start now. It don't, it don't matter if you've written the mean letter you're sorry about or not sorry about. Um, if you haven't been documenting, you can start all this stuff now. You know, it's not, it's not something like you gotta feel bad if you did, weren't doing this previously, you know, but it is very beneficial and very helpful for a parent to kind of have this process. And once you start doing it, it's, it will be the way you operate on responding to all kinds of different things. And it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to look like a school project when you're done. It can be, uh, I have notes that are just like scribbled on a legal pad, but it's still there. So it just do it however it works for you. That's right. Yeah, you don't need the the fancy day planner. I will tell you that the skills that I have learned managing my children's illness, their treatment, and living in a world of IEPs has definitely made me a more organized employee, has definitely helped my career in terms of being able to manage many, many projects. Um, so these are definitely skills, the skills that you learn um, just managing your child's day-to-day life, leaving, you know, making yourself a note, I call the doctor, let me put in a reminder to follow up if I don't get, you know, a response from the doctor. All these things will translate into your career if you've stepped out of perhaps your career path. Um, and think about it the other way. What are some skills that you employ in your work and how could you translate those skills into managing your child? Think about yourself in many in many ways. Obviously, your mom, but you can also be like a project manager. And how would you tackle their treatment and their management of the what they need if you were like you know at work as a project manager? So definitely, as parents, we learn a lot that benefits our job. And then we could bring some. If you don't, if you're not really sure about talking to somebody one-on-one, jump into one of our parent connection meetings because other parents might have great ideas for you of how they get started with this or how they can make it manageable.